The problem is you're not, you've never asked your, yourself the question, well, what note am I striking? And why is it that no note resonates with me? And the point being is this, is your nuclear family is important to your adult life. From the day you launch until the day you die, your family of origin and your ongoing nuclear family has an impact on you. It highly influences your adult years more than you will ever know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith that you are on, whether you like it or not, you are walking that journey, and you're either moving backwards or forwards in your faith, and we want to be part of your forward momentum in your Mm -hmm. journey of faith. Each and every week, we're here on Tuesdays and Thursdays to help you grow. We want to challenge you, to encourage you, and to entertain you a little bit along the way. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Welcome, everybody. It's good to be with you again today. Excited about this new focus that we're studying about the family. What does the Bible teach about the family and how these principles that are revealed to us Mm -hmm. through the scriptures can have a massive impact on your family and of course on you. So it's a big deal to really dig into this. I'm excited about it and hope that it is so beneficial to all the salty pastor listeners uh, to encourage them and inspire them and strengthen their faith. Absolutely. On Tuesday, we looked into um, all the scriptures on teaching mm-hmm. uh, on the family. We're we're focusing on this series titled "The Unmodern Family." Yes. Um, and we wanted to see what the building blocks of life and the family are. It's a building block for society and mm-hmm. civilization. The family is. Um, it's a building block for personal identity, mm-hmm. which is where we derive our sense of value, our, our develop our confidence, and learn to be courageous in life. Mm-hmm. It's also a building block of love and so much more. Yes. So. Uh, Pastor, what can we take from our initial discussion into the importance of the nuclear family and apply it in a practical way for people's lives today? Well, uh, I'll start off by telling the story. I was talking to a young man and he was talking about his love life and he was in his early thirties and he was a handsome guy, dated lots of girls, but he just couldn't seem to find one that he felt that he really connected with and so forth. And so we were kind Mm. of talking about it. And so I started asking him questions about his father and his mom and his family. And he's going, well, I don't know what that has to do with it. You know, I just haven't found the one yet. And I said, well, actually it has everything to do with it because what you're searching for doesn't resonate with you yet. He goes, exactly. And I said, well, resonating, you know, is a harmony. It's it's a term used in music, right? Often where you have a harmony when things resonate, right? It's used in music, just audio in general, resonation. When when it all fits together nicely, (laughs) okay? And the problem is you're not, you've never asked your yourself the question, well, what note am I striking? And why is it that no note resonates with me? And the point being is this, is your nuclear family is important to your adult life. From the day you launch until the day you die, your family of origin and your ongoing nuclear family has an impact on you. It highly influences your adult years more than you will ever know. Even if you had a really toxic, unhealthy family, you may not realize that your whole adult life, you're living in a way opposite of that. It's like, well, I never will do that again. So you do the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. And we see this all the time. And so I just want to emphasize the point is how influential 
your family is, your nuclear mm. family, particularly on when it comes to love and relationships in your life, as well as everything else, but that in particular. So uh, it can challenge you, you know, your, your family of origin, your nuclear family that you're currently in can be a challenge to have a strong and healthy family. My challenge for everybody is to strengthen their nuclear family, to have a strong family, to take it seriously and see how important it is. And here's, here's why I think it's more important today than it has ever been before. First of all, you need to understand and you need to know that your family, your nuclear family is under attack. Mm. Now, there was a time, regardless of your belief system, didn't matter uh, whether you believed in God or not, you were an atheist or not, or you were, you know, a new ager or not, or you were, you could be in the, you know, a Catholic or a Christian or <laughs> nothing or something in between, okay, didn't matter. All around. Yeah, well, th the whole question is, is that, uh, there was a time, regardless of your belief system, your society affirmed the nuclear family, right? Mm -hmm. Dr. Peter Kreft says this, all healthy cultures have had a high regard for families. The four longest lasting ones in history are the four most family friendly ones. The Jewish culture, 3,500 years old. Confucianism, which is highly affected uh, China over there today. 2,100 years, Islamic 1,400 years, the Roman 700 years. I would add to this uh, Christianity, which is 1,950. And people live in America and say, wait a second, it's 2023. Wouldn't you say 2,023 years? No, I would not. And what I would say is in 1950, 1960s, when we had the sexual revolution, we completely redefined the family. Okay. And the purpose of family. And what we're seeing today is the attack on the nuclear family. Um, in America today, we are not supportive of the family. The goal actually, in my opinion, is to destroy the nuclear family. Now that's pretty, that's a pretty salty, take, salty Pastor. thing to say. How can you prove that? Well, let's just look first and foremost, let's just look at what's happening right now. Okay. In our society. Let's try to diagnose a little bit. Okay. Uh, during Desperado, I showed how men are increasingly choosing in massive numbers to simply go it alone. They don't want to be married anymore. We talked about the stat of males between 20 years old and 34 years old, that 60% of them are not in a relationship and have no desire to be married. Right. And I'm like, Okay, that's a staggering number when you think about the population, 60%. When you look at the trend lines um, for females, did you know that by 2030, 52% of marriageable females will be single? Wow. So what do we got here? We've got over 50% of females, over 50% of males, in the marriageable age range who do not want to be married mm -hmm. at all. They're not interested in having children. Uh, children are now today being raised more and more by uh, single or blended families and oftentimes by government institutions. Uh, the goal of our government today is to get more and more government programs from daycare to Head Start to preschool, to public school, to university. So they are raising our kids, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's important to know 
that. These trends have a specific outcome, okay? There are consequences to these trends that are happening, and we see them right in front of our face. The first is, you know, the over-the-top one that everybody talks about, that's the total collapse of society, which is true. Because once you destroy the nuclear family, society collapse. And you know who talked about this as not only a theory, but as a strategy to bring about revolution? Our favorite guy, Karl, Karl Marx. Marx. Exactly. That was his whole point, is that that's how you upend and, and collapse society in order to... to and his, his philosophy was you want to destroy society in order to rebuild it in this communist uh ideology so but really you know the destruction of uh the attacks on the nuclear family result in an impact on you as an individual it really destroys your meaning and purpose in your life all research shows that it is our familial connections that bring the greatest joy and happiness in life and when you live an isolated lonely night life you live a meaningless empty life you know, I know that most people get tired of hearing this over and over again, <laughs> but it's that strategy that comes from this political ideology that wants power and control in our society and overall Western civilization, and that's cultural Marxism. We talked a little bit about it on Tuesday and how it operates. So my point is, is that you're under attack, your family's under attack, and these attacks not only have an impact on society, but they have an impact on you. Right, mm. They have an impact on how you view your own relationships. Are those effective relationships? Uh, do you have the skill set to actually fall in love and stay in love? Right? right. Uh, your kids, you know, how do you raise kids? Uh, your family is under attack, and, and once it falls apart, guess what? All of those other things that bring you joy and happiness life are so much more difficult to obtain. Okay. And so that is a designed ideology and philosophy in America today. And it started with the sexual revolution. So my question then becomes, if that's the case, how do you defend yourself? How can you thrive if you don't know uh, who you are and where you are being attacked when it comes to the most significant influential thing in your life, your family? I mean, I think this idea has really permeated our culture in the fact that mental health is just all over the place right yeah. now right mm -hmm. like if we i'm not saying that necessarily over the years we've always had it perfect right like mm -hmm. no one's ever we've, we're human we're flawed the system has never been perfect right but we, it's hard to argue the fact that the de-incentivization of family and a, a traditional family and staying together and learning together and learning to love together mm -hmm. and the lack of confidence and depression and all of these different mental health issues that have skyrocketed it's a, it's a pretty hard uh i don't want to say uh it's causational but correlation's yeah. pretty high on the it. correlation is pretty high and i think some research would show that it is causal and so um i think just that idea is is something we need to be really looking at everyone wants to pump us yeah. through full of drugs to fix all of these things and mm -hmm. it's like you're fixing symptoms you're not fixing the 
issue and they'll want to and they're twisting it they're using you know well you're you're persecuting these people you're 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 bigoted towards these people and they would just be happier if blank and it's like i think some people would just be happier if their parents had stayed together and they didn't have to go through that trauma like yeah i think that could be some of it not necessarily who they are sexually attracted to yeah well and i think that's one of the big things that brings us to the second point is is that this is so prevalent it's so uh, over the top in our society today is you can't escape its influence. Mm. Even if you have the best intentions, you know, I, we're going to be affected by these ideologies, whether we want to admit it or not. I kind of talk about, you know, the pattern of, of growing up in America today. And the first phase is, you know, we are formed and shaped by these ideologies without knowing the agenda behind them. You know, the subtle messaging is the subtle messaging is everywhere. It's very subtle, but it's everywhere. Um, and it's this whole notion that, you know, well, love is sexual attraction only, you know, and why do I need a piece of paper on the wall to say I'm committed to somebody? That's the big stuff that, that was around when I was growing up. And that is, is that abortion is health care and abortion is a good for, for females. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so this whole notion of sexuality and what people don't understand is that this is an outright indoctrination of young people and that is the the person who started abortion was margaret sanger and she did it for a very specific progressive ideology and this ideology that undergirds people's commitment to abortion has not changed and what it has resulted in is the decimation of the nuclear family, particularly in minority cultures and, you know, the subcultures within America. I mean, you've played multiple videos from different people in minority cultures, like, uh, for example, in, in the black community, uh, yeah. Denzel Washington talking about, man, the what a powerful influence it is just to have a dad around, right? Yeah. You talked about that during Desperado. And when you de-emphasize the nuclear family and the idea is, well, you just either split up or you don't even get married in the first place and dad can just walk away at any point because you don't have responsibility because the family's all a societal construct anyways. Yeah, and our, yeah the damage and a lot is going to happen. And people don't realize that in the 70s and into the mid-80s, the entire policy of the government in the welfare process de-emphasized minorities getting married. And they incentivized bearing of more children out of wedlock. They even had people that worked for the government that would go around to see if the father of the child was living in the house with the mom who had the kid so Mm -hmm. they could take benefits away. And so uh, that was a policy that was de-emphasizing what? Nuclear families. And, and And almost they were like, you know, uh, moral cops going around trying to find out if a dad was around his kids. Right. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff is crazy. The the second phase then happens is, you you know, you kind of look up and you go, wow, what I've been told really isn't true. See? And, And so you're like Neo where you start in the matrix and you start thinking, what? This doesn't add up. There's something more. I'm, there's a veil over my eyes. My soul is dissatisfied. I'm thirsty. I've gone this path and my life is still a train wreck. And then you go to the third phase, which is seeking. You start to ask questions and maybe the things your grandparents did, you know, and the things that they taught weren't 
we're actually better than what your current society is telling you, you know? And you start to look back and go, well, maybe my grandparents and great grandparents weren't the dumb sod farmers that society tells us they were. Well, and it all comes back to that idea of, of deconstructionism, right? Like exactly. if you've, if you've been a salty pastor listener for a long time, you hear us throw the words Marxism and deconstructionism, uh, all the time. Those are like your bingo cards. If you're, yeah. if you're playing bingo for salty pastor, <laughs> throw it your, out. Those are your free spaces. <laughs> yeah. But when you deconstruct everything based on, okay, well, my grandma and grandpa, you know, in a, a dream scenario, weren't perfect. So everything they taught, must been wrong right right and you throw out all these things are we saying that everything our our older generations did was perfect no that is not what you're committing right. but you're saying there was some core values and traditions in there that got kind of thrown out with the bathwater when they said well you guys messed up on this this and this so therefore everything you were doing must be wrong yeah. right because and it's it, not and, progressive yeah and you know when you start waking up and you start looking for different things and then that that you start to ask deeper questions and you start to realize that your society has lied to you when it comes to love and romance and raising children and it's lied to you about how to have a healthy interaction, you know, between a man and a woman and how to raise healthy kids. You know, there was a time, you know, in the 70s and 80s where the entire all child psychology, all child educational systems were all based around this flawed idea uh, that was a philosophical construct. And that was is that children are blank slates and you can turn them into anything you want. Right. right. There are these <clears throat> flowers that just kind of open up. And I've talked about this, about Truman's uh, criticism of our society. And the, the notion back then was that uh, society is what causes people to go bad. Right. This is the Rousseauian thing that I've talked about in the past. And why do I bring all this up? And that is, is that the destruction of the family is the result of a specific intentional ideology seeded into our culture by people who are anti-God. They do not like God. They hate Christians. They hate this. And they're doing it for a purpose. And that is they want to break society down in order to remake it into this dystopian future where they have the control. And guess what? A lot of it is working. It's working. Um, if you want a strong and healthy nuclear family, then you need to be able to discern where the world has influenced you, okay? What is a worldly ideology or philosophy and what actually comes from God, who is the author and father of every family? Yeah, I think the biggest thing we need, and this is one of the things I love most about being on this podcast with you is just the ability to critically think, right? You need to wake up to the idea that the world's values, the what the world wants you to do may not be the best thing for you. Right. And that it is affecting you, whether you're aware of it or not. The world's values and what they care about is affecting on how you see the world, how you live your life and your mental state and how you feel in life and how your family works is all Correct. based on the influence of these things. And if you can't see that, then we need to have a longer conversation. Right. But I mean, it's it's the same thing as technology. If you can't admit that technology has changed the way that families interact, the way that people interact, the way that you view the world, technology is just another part of the world that is influencing you. It's not mm -hmm. this one thing that is only revolutionized in the last couple of years. There's a lot of other things that are a lot more subtle that aren't in your hand. 
uh, on a daily basis that are still affecting you on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think that these ideologies have a specific agenda in mind, and it's very important for people to learn to just think critically, you know? I mean, I think about the debate over vaccines and so forth, you know, thinking back, and and the the thing is, is that, you know, some people say, well, I'm thinking critically because I don't trust the government when it comes to vaccines. And I'm like, okay, well, that's just the first step, right? You, you got to go the next step and you got to go the next step and you got to go the next step. And for instance, the COVID vaccine for COVID-19 is not the same thing as a polio vaccine. Right. They're, they're absolutely different. And if you're going to say, well, I just reject all vaccines, that's not critical thinking at mm. all. Okay. You got to go the next step. Come on. You got to realize. You're, yeah. I, I, that's my probably most frustrating thing people do is, well, I'm, I'm thinking better than you because I'm holding to a firm thing that has... I've researched yeah. nothing about, but it just happens to be contrary to what everybody else, everyone else is thinking. So <laughs> yeah. I'm therefore smarter and more intelligent, more critically thought out than yeah. you. I'm like, no, yeah. that's not. Well, the you same. know, rebellion is not a deeper <laughs> intellect, yes. right? Contrarianism is not a deeper intellect. Uh, the key is is that realize, hmm. Sometimes I'm, you know, I'm the kind of person that maybe swallows stuff too quick. You understand that tendency about yourself and then go so i need to you know talk to people do more research and think more critically other people are contra are contrarian no matter what if someone says white you know they go no it's black and then right. but if that's your tendency you got to just say you know i tend to be a contrarian so maybe it's not such a bad thing right <laughs> what they're advocating and so you have to take each thing on face value and research it and make up your own mind that's why i'm not here to tell you all you know how to live and what to do i want you to think critically for yourself because you know even though your family's under attack the nuclear family's under attack even though it influences you in ways that you don't know guess what you can win you can overcome you know greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world and which is a victory is overcome the world our faith so we have a promise in scripture that we can win you're able to overcome the pull the temptation of this world and what it's doing to you your family your marriage your romantic life your dating life by understanding a very important doctrine which is core to the christian faith and the christian worldview the belief system and that is called the doctrine of redemption okay the doctrine of redemption is all about being able to be committed to an extremely high standard that's objective outside of us right while at the same time knowing I'll never live up to it, okay? Redemption allows you to have incredibly high standards while at the same time not feeling like a failure because you can't live up to your own standards, right? See, in the world ideology, it says, look, if there's a standard, okay, a high standard or a definition or an objective truth, guess what? People don't live up to that and that produces guilt and guilt or feeling bad about yourself is the cause of all of our problems. And this is Truman's point about the psychological man. And that is, it doesn't matter how strong you are, doesn't matter what you achieve, it doesn't matter if you're a good person or not, the most important thing is how do you feel about yourself? Mm. And society's job is to affirm that right and the reason why suicide ideation among young people is isn't because our worldly ideology is creating anxiety in them creating hopelessness and nihilism in them it's that well society doesn't accept who they are which right. is absolutely <clears throat> absurd you know this is ridiculous so the thing about the doctrine of redemption is the exact opposite world ideology says well if there's a standard that produces guilt and guess what guilt is the worst thing it's totally unacceptable this is why 
uh, in elementary schools, they refused to play dodgeball. They refused to have any uh, competitions where they give out awards. There's places now where they don't even want to give grades for homework anymore. This is how rooted this ideology is in our public mm. educational system. And so and it's based on this unspoken premise, and that is any standard does what? Creates guilt, and guilt is unacceptable, okay? So... On the other hand, when you live on the redemptive path, guess what? You have embraced grace. It is the only way to be psychologically and spiritually centered while at the same time not feeling guilty or shame over your flaws, right? It's like, I, I am a sinner. You know, Paul said this. He goes, it is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance that Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the worst or the foremost. I'm at the front of the line. Right. And here's the guy who wrote much of the New Testament for us. And so what he was saying is this is the objective standard never changes. It's always this and we always attain to it. But guess what? We also live in grace. Mm. We know we are sinful and imperfect. This ideology, this philosophy, this worldview is the only one that allows you to be psychologically grounded confident, live life with courage, know right from wrong is a man to have non-negotiables, live by a code of honor. Right. And at the same time, realize I don't always live up to it. I make mistakes, but I don't beat myself up. I'm not carrying all this guilt and anxiety and shame. I, I, my life still has purpose, even when I make a mistake. And this used to be part of the American psyche. And that is we used to love redemption stories. You know, Rocky was a redemption story, right? We love these stories where people um, work hard and they make mistakes and they overcome them. And then they zoom, you know, they get a second chance and... We love redemption stories. Not anymore. Not anymore. We're going back and trying to dig up everybody's mistake that they ever made in junior high school, and then we're trying to cancel their life over it, you know? I mean, this is just a public display of what these people in our society are willing to do. When Brett Kavanaugh was... Uh, 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 selected as a candidate for the Supreme Court, you know, they go back in, into his high school days to try to accuse him of things that were false. And you know, they're false because they made this huge charade out of it. And you go back, where's this person that made all these accusations against him? You haven't heard a peep out of this person. Mm. You know, it, it was all about this ideology. Are these things connected? Yes, there's a strong correlation because there's a group of people in our society that don't want a nuclear family. They don't want anybody that stands up for nuclear families. And because Brett Kavanaugh's Catholic, I'm not Catholic. I'm not Catholic at all. But because he was Catholic, the Catholics have a very strong commitment to what? The family. And he's been very committed to his family for a very long time. So I think that's really an important thing to understand is that we are living in a society that has this influence, but we have the power to overcome it because we live under the doctrine of redemption. The world ideology says this, you know, having standards produces guilt and shame, and that's unacceptable. We say we have to have an objective standard because this is what gives psychological clarity and strength. It builds a foundation of confidence, right, and competency. And then what it does is it allows you to live in freedom from guilt and shame when you make a mistake. It allows you to come back. If you take the world's position and believe that guilt is absolutely unacceptable, you remove any standard. You can't have one. And, and this actually increases 
insecurity. It increases guilt. It increases shame. You know the children that grow up who are the most psychologically wounded and underdeveloped are kids who grow up without any boundaries, without any discipline, without any focus. That, that is the worst thing for kids, right? And when they grow up in that, that, and yet that's what our society is trying to do all across the board. You're not taking guilt away when you remove any standard. You're increasing it. A perfect illustration of this is the transgendered ideology in the medical community today. Everyone is concerned with what is called suicidal ideation of people who are dealing with this issue in their life. Everybody's concerned about suicidal ideation. And yet everybody who is writing, you know, they publish editorials in the Idaho Statesman. You had all these people on uh, pushing on social media, all of this stuff saying that gender affirming kids for minors is healthcare. This is insane. The world says you're going to be more <coughs> mentally healthy if you uh, embrace, if the society around you embraces this thing that you think you are, right? Even to the point of we are going to surgically alter you when you're 13, 14, 15 years old to make you feel like you are something you are not. Um, because it's all about affirmation. If we can affirm it, then you're going to be mentally healthy. But this is the truth. Scientifically, there is zero evidence. As a matter of fact, it actually tilts in the other direction. There's zero evidence that says after you have gender affirming care, after 5, 10, 15 years, there's any change in the rate of suicidal ideation. There's zero. As a matter of fact, people who suffer through gender transitions like that and they physically alter their bodies as, as minors often have more regret and more shame 15 years down the road. And we're just now discovering this because this whole notion of operating on minors, you know, surgically castrating them, taking young girls, removing their breasts, it wasn't a deal at all until around 2010 is when it really started. If you go back in 2007 and look up how many gender affirming clinics there were in America, there was one. Mm. You look in 2023, there's thousands. Okay, you can't tell me that there's this explosion of all of this suddenly. It just doesn't make any sense. It is a what they call a societal contagion. And that is, it's very similar in the 90s. There was this whole thing that had a lot to do with anorexia, right? And it was a big problem. But a lot of it, people, they finally realized, stop talking about it because what they were doing is they were pushing girls into it by talking about it so much, right? And it was such a thing in the media. So once it died out, guess what? Anorexia, it still happens today, but very, very seldomly now. And it's treated immediately as a mental illness. And those kids, those girls in particular, grow through it and become healthy again. Now, why am I sharing all this? Is that if the disease is guilt, what is the antidote? The world says, have no standards and affirm any decision of what you think you want to become. And they're doing this to the nuclear family. We've redefined the nuclear family to the point where the nuclear family means nothing. Oh, it's whatever you want to make it. You know, it's, it's your friend group. I'm sorry, that is not how it works. Your friends have influence on you, but they have nothing like the influence that your mom and your dad will have on you, negative or positively. You know, you have a father, and your father's influenced you. In some ways, 
positively, some ways negatively. And for some people who grew up in toxic environments, it's very negative. They got to do a lot of work to get through that, right? So I think this study that we're doing is trying to do something that frees people and gives them hope and lets them realize, work on these really critical things in your life and you're gonna find immediate impact, how the truth of God comes in, sets you free and allows you to start becoming that authentic person you're called to become. Well, thank you so much, Pastor, for sharing all these things with us and for um, giving us the opportunity to really think deeper about what these things are, <laughs> are doing in our lives these days as far as families and how they matter in our overall health as a society. So thank you for sharing that. I'm excited to see um, what else you say on Sunday as we kick off this new series titled The Unmodern Family. We'll see mm -hmm. you guys there on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church. Blessings.